afternoon drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon drive. Goodman Fry. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at T Fry at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. Whether it's a deck, fence, siding, you're not going to do any better than uh, Rocky Mountain Forest Products. And here's the reason why. Everything, again, you're buying at wholesale and you're getting the best product out there as well. They buy directly from the lumber mill. They get the pick of the litter and then they sell it to you. At wholesale prices, the big contractors in town use them like pinnacle builders and boy, what an opportunity as a consumer to be able to work with Rocky Mountain Forest products. Find them at RMFP.com. Time now for the lead. The lead is presented by Smoke and Dave's Barbecue and Brew, Colorado's best barbecue since 2007. Get some tonight in Denver, Longmont, Lyons and Estes Park. ESPN's Jeremy Fowler continued his series on listing the top 10 players for each position group in the NFL. His articles buoyed by interviews with executives, coaches, scouts, and players today focused on offensive tackles right and left, along with his top 10 also listed 12 honorable mentions. And, well, Garrett Bowles was not on the list of the top 22 and he is just two years removed from being a second-team All-Pro. Are you surprised he was completely left off the list? Yes, I was, but Jeremy Fowler did exhaustive research in talking to people within the game, including personnel people who who tend to uh, maybe overvalue uh, prospect-type nature. So I think in this case, he's they're seeing what Garrett Bowles has done the last couple of years and, and saying that he slipped a little bit. I'll say one thing uh, about Garrett Bowles and actually talked about this going into the COVID season. I felt that he would benefit greatly from no fans in the stands. Now, before you laugh, here's the reason. Rabbit ears. No, because he'd be able to hear the play call. Yeah. Okay. He doesn't have to worry about jumping off sides doesn't have to worry about holding there aren't as many distractions for him and his holding calls were down during the COVID season and he did play well and he did take a step up why is he a top go why, ahead why would the number why would the lack of fans in the stands have anything to do with his sack total no not I his mean, holding, sack total. holding calls well holding call offside calls uh illegal procedure calls all that stuff you can you can hear everything clearly Maybe not holding as much, but also being at home when he did hold. I mean, right when the referee (laughs) turned on his mic, I think everybody uh, at home held their breath waiting to hear holding number 72. And I think Garrett Bowles early on in his career had a very difficult time of moving on to the next play. You say about athletes, they need to have short memories. I'll give you a guy who doesn't have a short memory, and this is why people should be concerned about his career moving forward. 
and that's Drew Locke. And this is just an observation, but it's an accurate observation because my eyes don't lie. Whenever Drew Locke had a play at home or on the road, if it was a bad play, you know the first thing that he did, Terry? Would you like to take a guess? No. He looked right up at the scoreboard to watch the replay. Oh. You could see it when they isolated on him. Before he walked back to the huddle, or as he was walking back, he was looking at the replay. That is quintessential evidence you have not moved on. You want to see what happened. And I think that was a little bit of a problem for Garrett Bowles. Is he a top 10 guy? No. Is he a top 20 guy? Yeah, I think you can make the case he's somewhere between 17 and 22. I think you can make that case. I do too. I also think I'm one of the few people around... And I, I've been absolutely belittled for this position. I think he got a lot of his holding calls early, although he was he was inept in terms of finesse and style and fundamentals. But I think he also got a lot of the holes because he was the guy who holds. His reputation was he's the guy who holds. So you call holding on him. I think that happens a lot more in football than people want to realize. And this is the son of an NFL line coach, uh, longtime NFL line coach throwing that out. And I'll agree with you, certainly to a point. It's kind of like Nazem Kadri. You know that the referees are going to be watching him a little bit more closely. But I think the most important point is a point that you glossed over. When Garrett Bowles, you got it. When he was at Utah, he was very athletic, still is, very athletic. He was the most athletic guy, certainly on the offensive line. A very good lacrosse player. Okay. Well, very athletic guy. And when you're really, really athletic, you don't necessarily have to work on technique because you're just beating everybody that you, you, you can, you can get away with that in college. And I understand he played in the PAC 12 and that's still a pretty good conference. You can get away with it there. You can't get away with it with a Joey Bosa. You're not going to get away with it with a Khalil Mack or Chandler Jones. They're going to beat you like a drum. And his technique was just so awful, and he didn't want to listen to anybody, and he was an immature guy. And all of those things are true. And then throw into the fact maybe the referees are eyeing him a little bit more. And then, you know, he puts on... Well, and then, and then he puts on a show that he holds, and you could see it as plain as day, and then he holds up his hands in the air like, who, me? Well, you what can, did I you do? You can call holding on every play. It's With him, he, he, no, no, he, he didn't hold, guys. He tackled them. <laughs> so now he does not have Mike Munchak at his side. How is he going to play this year? Well, now that he doesn't have the guy who helped turn his career around, I think he has grown up. I think he has taken on a position of leadership in that offensive line room. I have talked to him a couple of times during this offseason. And understand, and I know you did an article on him, Garrett Bowles always says the right things. One of the, best, really one of the best stories I ever did in my career at a Denver local newspaper. So he does say the right things, but saying the right things and doing the right things are two different things. When he started with the Denver Broncos, he would say all the right things, but then his teammates would tell me, we can't stand him. (laughs) And he doesn't follow through on any of the things that he says, but now he's one of the leaders in that offensive line room. And also when you look at the list that Jeremy Fowler put together, 
don't think for a minute they, they look at him as the 23rd best left tackle in the league. All tackles are included in that. All tackles. Rashawn Slater, a guy that the Broncos took a good look at when he came out in the draft a couple years ago, he's a right tackle. Ryan Ramchek came out in the same draft as Garrett Bowles. He's a right tackle. And as a right tackle, those guys are really, really good. So he's being grouped in with everybody. Don't look at him as executives and scouts and players are saying he's the 23rd best left tackle in the league because that's not how he's viewed. Can we agree on one point that you can't evaluate him solely on the number of holding calls or sacks or his part in the sacks moving forward under Russell Wilson with Russell Wilson being so adept at making plays and and keeping the play alive that there are going to be sacks made that really aren't attributable to any any, uh, deficient play by alignment. Well, I, I would agree to a point. A lot of it depends on how quick is a quarterback's release. How much does he want to hold on to the ball? Let's look at let's look at Russell Wilson. What does he like to do more than anything when he has the ball in his hands? He likes to throw the ball deep. If you want to throw the ball deep, you're going to be holding the ball longer. And if you're holding the ball longer, you are asking your offensive linemen to hold those defensive ends and defensive linemen and blitzing safeties a little bit longer. So really, Russell Wilson, it's great that he's very accurate on the deep ball, but because he wants that deep ball so much, he's really not doing his offensive line a whole lot of favors. There are certain quarterbacks that make their offensive line look good. Peyton Manning's a perfect example yes. of that. He would see he well made, was coming. He made quick decisions. He didn't always need the home run ball. Now, when you look at Russell Wilson, how quickly he gets rid of the ball, for Teddy Bridgewater, it was about <laughs> 2.9 seconds. No, no, this is not no, I'm giving you actual stats. I, I know. I I'm, I know I'm laughing. For for Teddy Bridgewater, it took him about 2.9 seconds to get rid of the ball. Russell Wilson's only 2.8 it's really not that big of a difference. It's not as like Dan Marino 2.2. So Russell Wilson does get sacked a lot, and I know that his offensive line really wasn't very good there, but there is some responsibility on Russell Wilson. I know he doesn't want to always take the first read, but then again, it's called the first read for a reason. If he wants to cut down getting hit, sometimes you do have to take that first read. You know, there, there's a great saying in, in football that uh, you, you're, and I'm going to totally butcher it. Uh, you can never take a loss with a profit. If you get a five yard gain, that, that that's a plus play, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you're not taking a loss by getting a profit. You don't want to do that every single play. And sometimes guys are going to blitz, but Russell Wilson does want the deep ball and no, he doesn't have a quick release and yes, he is mobile, but it's, it's going to be a dance with the type of offense that Nathaniel Hackett puts together, making sure that Russell Wilson is protected with, but he has to not always look for the deep ball. Okay. With all of that, should we restructure our expectations for the number of sacks and for the number of holding calls? Because you have well, to, sometimes you have to hold because the quarterback's holding the ball too long. That's right. Well, 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 it all it's like a pot of gumbo. Your fillet powder and your okra are just as important as each other. If you want really good gumbo, your they what? all they all kind of work together. Your what powder? Fillet powder. I'm taking notes the next time I make gumbo. 
Well, if you want to make gumbo, you got to have your Trinity. Okay. You'll start uh-huh. with that. Okay. That's peppers, onions, and celery. All right. Or onions, onions. Wait, oh, I can't even remember. It's, uh, onions. and I make it all, onions. You got to have onions. I think celery and pepper. I, th- I think that's the way it works. You, you, you got to make a really good roux, which is your flour and water. That better be dynamite, right? Yeah. If you want shrimp, if you want chicken, if you want onto a sausage, it depends on how you render that down. You got to make sure you have really good chicken stock. If fresh, even better. So we can go all day with this. Then you throw in your filet powder and your okra. Would you, would you like me to make you a pot of it? Yeah, I would. Because the first time I make gumbo will be the first. I mean, the next time I make gumbo will be the first. Be the first. I made it for Andrew one time. He actually said it was very good. And he is a guy who has spent a lot of time in the South. Yeah, Eric, Coming at- Eric made it for a bunch of us here and brought it into oh, the yeah? studio a few months back. It was good. And how many got? was it only you that went to the hospital? Oh uh, yeah, just me, just me. With everybody else, made, yeah, exactly. Everybody <laughs> else made it out alive. Good. Well, I'm glad to hear that. All right, uh, coming up after the break, CBS Sports had an article titled "2022 Offseason Grades for Every Team." What grade did the Nuggets get? We'll tell you next. New Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman Fry. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed. At C. Fry. At Eric Goodman. Feeling for wholesale lumber to the public. Go to RMFP.com. Time now for the buzz. The buzz is presented by Rocky Mountain Forest Products, where they specialize in wholesale lumber to the public. Go to Rocky Mountain Forest Products in Wheat Ridge or go to RMFP.com. All right, CBS Sports had an article titled 2022 Offseason Grades for Every Team. Nuggets were one of a handful of teams to get an A. This is what was written. The Nuggets were already poised to be a legitimate title contender next season with the reigning MVP alongside a healthy Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. And their offseason additions make them even more intimidating. Losing a steady backup point guard in Monte Morris hurts, but he was overqualified for the position and set for a large payday. They swapped him and Barton for Caldwell Pope, a perfect fit who will provide the shooting and the defense that Barton at times could not. They also picked up Brown in the free agent market to do the weird things that made him so successful in Brooklyn. Denver is better now than it was when the offseason began, which means high marks, and that's why they get an A. Is there anything with this you disagree with? I would add that Caldwell Popo already has been signed to a two-year extension. So that's one more point. Right. Right. So add on to already their really good offseason. Now, in theory, I that mean, could make him more tradable down the line, but they have the contract. No. 
No, I don't, I don't think they're looking to deal him at all, as you and I talked I about on the show theory, yesterday. Though. What's that? I said in theory. Yeah, well, and anything's in theory. Uh, I, I think I think that they don't want to go down the same road that they did with Jeremy Grant. They gave up some assets. I don't see Will Barton as a big asset, but <laughs> is certainly an asset. So you make sure that he is around for three more. He, he was a big pain in the asset. I believe is going to win them a championship. Barring any, you know, major overhauls that they decide to do. This team, to me, can make a run. I agree, but the, but the conference has gotten better, too. I mean, Zion goes, goes back to New Orleans, is back in that lineup. and Has it? Really? Yeah. New Orleans? How about, the, how about, Orleans the, how about the Clippers? New... The Clippers have gotten uh, better. Yeah. Okay, so they got better with John Wall, but Kawhi Leonard, to me, is Jamal Murray, right? right. Paul George was injured last year, too, and they're older. So you're basing... Well, if I can believe, if I believe the Nuggets can get instantly healthy, then, I'll, look at believe, the Nuggets and then say, I'll believe the hey, Clippers. MPJ did. and Murray have to stay healthy. What's that? Say it again. Terry, say that one more time. I said, I said, if I can believe that the Nuggets can get instantly healthy, I'll, I'll believe the Clippers can get instantly healthy. Well, they also have two older guys as well. Yes, they can get healthy. Uh, but w w what did they do against the Nuggets in the playoffs when they had Kawhi and Paul George? Are, are the Nuggets going to be they, better than Memphis? Are they going to be better than Dallas? Are they going to be better than Golden State? Are they going to be better than Phoenix? Are they, are they better than Dallas? Yes, because Dallas is a one-man team. Yes, they're better than Dallas. Are they better than Phoenix? I like them a lot better against Phoenix now because now they finally have somebody who can guard Devin Booker. So, yes, I do like them against Phoenix. Memphis, they're a young and up-and-coming team. I'll be honest, I don't watch enough of Memphis. Are they as good as the Warriors, the defending champs? Probably not. But do I think that Memphis is overwhelmingly better than the Nuggets? Hell no. Well, when do John Morant that... isn't delusion of, being delusionary about uh, Michael Jordan, then uh, I think he's a great player. He is, but you know what? Memphis was very good without him in the lineup. So I haven't watched enough of Memphis. I think the Nuggets have the right pieces. They have scoring, and they have defense, and they have the two-time MVP. That's what they have. They, they have a, and I know he's been in the league for, what, five years or so? To me, they still have a budding star in Jamal Murray. I think you and I could agree on that, right? Yes. A guy who could put in 30 any night, any night. You have Jokic, whose assists are going to go up because he has better outside shooting. Aaron Gordon is not a guy you want to be scoring 22 points tonight because if he is, then your team's way out of whack. I think they defend well at the right positions. Power forward, they defend well, and on the wing, they defend well. I think they are built really well. Well, I'm, so, I'm, I'm, agree I'm pretty much agreeing with all you're saying, except I see the conference is stronger, and I see them as being a fifth to a seventh place team in the conference. And oh, that's, no. That's not knocking them. That's just being realistic. I just think you hate Denver teams. First, you think the Broncos are going to be eight and nine. <laughs> yeah, I do. And then, and then, then you think the Avalanche are going to lose a couple games in Edmonton. And then you said to me before the start of the playoffs, you're really worried about Darcy Kemper and they shouldn't start him. Correct. Terry, 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 Terry. I think you're, 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 you are George Costanza to me. Everything you say, I should just say the Vandalay Industries, Vandalay right. Industries. 
I think they're not a five to seven seed. I know you don't like to gamble on sports. I'll bet you they're not between five and seven. Okay, gentlemen's Bar- wager. Yeah, barring uh, injuries. A bunch yeah, of gumbo. If you, if you, you pay me in you gumbo. And you pay me in what? Uh, I don't know. We'll have to figure that out. A book. I already have some of your books, oh. and, and all they do is collect dust. I'm kidding. I have two of your books. And we've we talked about my reading, how difficult it is for me to read your reading. And I and I don't mean that and I don't mean that in a bad way. I'll just come out and say it. I have a difficult time reading books that are fiction. I just do. Well two I've done and two no, always, two novels and five nonfiction books. Right. But the way they are written, it's difficult for me to read. And for me to be even talking about this on air is a big deal. You're a very good writer, an accomplished writer. I'm just saying, like a John Feinstein book is easier for me to read. Yeah, that's real lightweight. And I've read a. (laughs) Well, you think his stuff's lightweight stuff? No, no, I'm not. That's why I'm laughing. It's not lightweight stuff. For some reason, I have an easier time reading his stuff. I think I told you when when you gave me one of your books recently, I read the. I told you I'll read a paragraph and have to read the same paragraph four times. Not because it's not well written. It's because I have a difficult time comprehending it. That's why when I read news, when I read stuff on the internet, I, I absorb it like a sponge and I could just spit it out at you five, six days later, if not weeks later. Well, narrative prose is an just, art and I'm pretty good at it. And I don't mind bragging. About no, you, you are. And I'll have, and I'll have to take your word for it. But at the end <laughs> of the day, getting back to the Western conference, Maybe you should make a movie. It'd be easier for me. Or if you could do something in Cliff Notes. I think Memphis is really good. Okay. And I think the Suns are really good. I don't think the Suns are honestly that much better than the Nuggets with the way the Nuggets are constructed. You don't think the Suns are really that much better than the Nuggets? Okay. With the way the Nuggets are currently. They didn't have that. And honestly. Uh, if you look at historically, when Jamal Murray's been healthy, he has been nothing short of terrific against the Suns. So when the Suns played the Nuggets in the playoffs a couple of years ago, I'm not saying the Nuggets would have won that series, but they do not get swept if Jamal Murray's on the floor. Probably not, no. Absolute, absolutely that, not. But that really is, isn't particularly relevant because they didn't advance. It doesn't matter how, how many games they didn't advance. And Michael Porter Jr. was injured in that playoff series as well. And now they have two excellent defensive players. The only thing that I'd truly be concerned about with the Suns is DeAndre Ayton's a pretty good defensive player on Jokic. And f- for a lot of people, that'd be way down the list. I haven't seen enough for Memphis, but I know that they are deep. Now, and when I look at Golden State, if I'm being completely honest, uh, they had no one to guard them on the perimeter, right? Is that fair to say? Yes. They do now. I'm not saying someone's going to shut down Steph Curry. I'm not saying someone's going to shut down Clay Thompson or Poole. But at least they have guys to guard them, and it's not Aaron Gordon who's moving from a power forward Which position one is the it? perimeter. Which one is it? What do you mean? Which Who, who guards Steph Curry then? Well, it's going to have to be Jamal Murray. Yes. If you're looking at starting lineups. Yes. And then KCP, then KCP is going to be on Clay Thompson. Yeah. I don't have a problem with that. What do you mean, you, yes? You don't and have a else? problem with Jamal Murray on Steph Curry. 
I have a problem with anybody trying to guard Steph Curry. Jamal Jamal Murray is not a great defensive player, but he, but he works at it. Mm-hmm. He works at it. He's not great, but he works at it. No one's going to look at Jokic and say he's a great defensive player, but he did get better. Guarding Steph Curry is like guarding Michael Jordan. It's like guarding Magic Johnson. Steph Curry is a top ten player of all the time, and he, and and that you, that three point line keeps moving out for him. You right? can only hope to contain him. Right. 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 But but I I'll take my chances with KCP on Clay Thompson not going off for thirty. Won't you? Yeah, I guess so. What are you going to have Andrew What are you going to have Andrew Wiggins guarding Michael <laughs> Porter Jr., please? Porter Jr. will shoot over him all day, right? That remains to be seen. All day. Right? I don't know what I'm saying. I'm not right saying now. they would win a 7-game series. They are bet they are better equipped to take on the Warriors now. They are better yes. equipped to take on the yes. Suns and Memphis. Yeah. And for as great as Doncic is, and he's pretty much unguardable too, uh, he he had a a series of a lifetime. He single-handedly beat the Suns, right? Yes. And then what happened in the next series? They fell apart. But they got swept. They won a game. They fell apart. They they need they need to get some help for Doncic, just like the Nuggets have gotten help for. Nikola Jokic. Coming up after the break, we're going to talk a little college football, kind of. There is one guy out there who is literally going to break the bank with name, image, and likeness. Who is he? I can tell you right now, his last name, you will know. That's next. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wild Card Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. You'll be thrilled to know, Terry, this is one of the first songs I learned to play on guitar. How impressed are you? Gin Blossoms? No, this is a Blues Traveler. They oh, play Blues every Traveler. year over the 4th of July weekend. They play on 4th of July, it seems like, every year at Red Rocks. It's a four-chord song. You play oh. any instruments? No, I don't. I'm you from don't? a, I'm yeah, from a this family that's... a four-chord song. I'm a family that splits the, splits the spectrum, athletic, one athletic side and one art side. So I kind of have a both. I'm interested you, in the art. I, I don't mind. I don't mind propping up the Fry family, but I will tell you, your your brothers and sisters, you have one hell of an impressive family when it comes to career accomplishments. Honestly, you're the loser on the list. <laughs> A dog guy, a guy who does the dog shows on television, and my sister is the former principal ballerina for the Colorado Ballet. Yes, very, very talented. And of course, you as well. And then your dad, Jerry, being a football coach. My sister is a six-time politician. I'm the loser of the bunch, so at least you and I are keeping good company. Hey, Time uh, now for What's Trending. Yeah. 
What's Trending is presented by Low T99. Testosterone treatment made easy and affordable. For just $129 per month, they'll send you testosterone, supplies, and the price includes lab work. Go to LowT99.com. Did you want to say something before we uh, did What's Trending? No, I was just I was going to give you the Nolan wardrobe report today. He's not wearing anything by the Cardinals or the Blues or anybody else. Come on. He's really slip, got he's slipping aimed on as of yesterday. What's, what, uh, what's Nolan wearing today? Because everybody cares what Nolan's wearing. He won't go to the microphone to describe it, so it, it must be He doesn't bad. have to. You tell me. You, no, you can see it. What's he wearing? He no, is wearing a T-shirt and shorts. And what's the T-shirt say? Words. Words. He, he's too embarrassed to admit Words? what he's wearing. We'll have to go over it later. Okay. I'm Art, son of Archie, to play at Texas this week, or not last week, earlier this month, I should say. Um, what kind of money do you think he can make his, uh, with NIL? Uh, the real cop out is to say I have no idea because the boundaries have yet to be set, and there, there, the new precedents already out there with. It. Every everything across the board, including Said, women's women's basketball and everything else, is so I, mind mind uh, mind blowing and mind boggling that I don't, I'm not quite sure I can put a ceiling on it. It'd be virtually anything they want it to be. Eric, we've lost you. Well, the point I'm making here is that I think we're, we have uh, yet we to, lost them. We're going to get them right. We back. have yet to see the boundaries completely set for the uh, for the ceiling figures on NIL, and so to even speculate on it would uh, open you up to being uh, rendered less than prophetic, because I think the money is going to go so high, and at some point, uh, at some point, it's going to be uh, way too much for colleges even to, to uh, be able to continue. They're going to have to set boundaries. Have to set, have to step away from the pot of gold and say, "Wait a minute, we got to get this under control." I just don't know when that is yet. And with uh, with Arch Manning being the nephew of Archie, uh, Peyton uh, being the nephew of Peyton and Eli um, at Texas, those those combinations are just can lead to just mind-boggling figures. And I also think, okay, I also think that this can lead to just inordinate pressure on these guys, the, the, the amount of money they're making in college. You look around at the guy next to you in the site class who's, who's scrambling and trying to uh, work four jobs and has student loans and everything else. It could even lead to resentment around you. So it's going to be interesting to see the way that plays out. And we've lost Eric. We're, gonna, we're going to... Uh, Try to get back with Eric and we're going to try to get back with Eric here. Yeah, yeah, we were uh, unable to get him back, so it'll it'll just be me and you here for this oh, uh, last part of the show. What do you think of Arch Manning? What's the upside for him? 
Oh, I think it's incredible. The only thing is I was a little bit worried about the competition. He was playing in high school, playing at Newman High School. It's not quite Texas high school football. Um, I saw some of his stat lines were less than impressive. So I'm a little bit worried making the jump to big boy football. Um, but the talent is obviously there. We've all seen the videos on the internet. So I think he's capable. It's just a matter of um, can he adjust to this high level of football. Well, we're sitting here speculating about his NIL upside. You know, and I, I sort of regret that, that we're not talking about the kind of the on-the-field work and the uh, on-the-field play. We're talking about the financial aspects as if this were, as if he had an agent, as if he'd gone through the NFL draft and was looking ahead to play football for the University of Texas, which is about what it amounts to now in the big-time recruiting race. And so I would think that, boy, the pressure's going to be mountainous, but he's he's been around that family uh, being the nephew of Eli and and uh, Peyton, he's been around the, and seen the pressure. It'll be interesting to see if he's able to fend it off. And and whether even they'll be absolutely ruthless about maximizing his NIL potential. I, I don't know whether you want to do that to a young man. to put. To, yes, you could say, wow, he, he could be almost set for life by playing college football. But it also sets up an inordinate amount of pressure moving forward. Yeah, yeah, coming there from football royalty. If there's anybody that can handle all the hype and all the pressure, it, it's a guy from the Manning family. And, um, you know, obviously Texas able to reel him in. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited to watch him. I'm really excited. We've known about him. Kind of feels like Zion Williamson since since he was 15 years old. So we'll see if he can uh, live up to the hype there. Um, and then he'll be probably playing in playing in the Big 12 for the first part of his college career. And then maybe his last year in college, he might be in the SEC with Texas making the move in 2025. I hadn't even thought of that part. That's going to be very interesting to see the transition yeah. in the competition. Right, because Big 12, it's obviously an offensive conference, not a whole lot of defense played, and the SEC is pretty much the exact opposite. Back into the family league. Yeah. Right. So, what do we, Alex, what do we have coming up on Argonaut Wine and Liquor, just in case you missed it? Uh, ESPN is coming out with a seven-part docu-series next Monday. We'll tell you who is featured in that, and Nazem Kadri is still without a team. We'll is talk Nazem, about that. Is Nazem Kadri in it? Nazem Kadri is not in the seven-part documentary. Um, I did see him featured in that ESPN Plus uh, Quest for the Cup. That that was pretty cool. I, I probably shouldn't give away if we're doing a teaser. I probably shouldn't give away that Nazem Kadri is not in it. Yeah, he he's not in it. Um, so that that's okay. Am I even um, close? No, no, wrong sport. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, ESPN going crazy again on cricket. No, it's it's not cricket either. Oh. Yeah, it's uh, you, you're gonna have to tune I just, in. I just gonna have to wait until coming coming back after this. All right, yep, that's coming up next on Afternoon Drive with uh, Goodman and Fry on Mile High Sports. New Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back to Goodman and Fry. Uh, I'm Terry Fry, veteran journalist and author, and 
We have lost Eric, so we're going to soldier on with him. And, hey, by the way, I've always wanted to play the breaking news thing. So has anything happened with Nazem Kadri? Nothing has happened. Sorry. The breaking news is no news. The breaking news is no news. Good news. Seriously. Uh, you know, in this case, sort of. I mean, the more it goes on, the more optimistic I am. So, possibly. Why are you more optimistic? Why wouldn't you say that... that uh Maybe they're, the offers are being sweetened, and other teams who who didn't get what they necessarily wanted initially in free agency are, are uh, maybe they're taking stock and making one last run at getting Kadri. I think so. I think there was a report maybe a day or two ago that Calgary offered him that big, big deal, and he turned it down. And um, I think after he left Toronto, Calgary was one of the teams that was inquiring about Kadri as well, and. He didn't want to join the Flames, so yeah. The more the more he kind of shuns other teams, the more optimistic uh, I would I like to see him in an Avalanche sweater. I've really fluctuated. It's been kind of a funny debate within myself that I've tried to read it each way and come around to. It looks like there's more chance he's coming back, and then I convince myself that it's it's virtually done. I thought the challenge from Chris McFarland uh, calling him a top six forward as a, as opposed to a top three forward was even encapsulizing the avalanche approach in bargaining and arbitration like we have to uh, we have to make sure you understand we know where we think you would fit in on our roster but again uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens I, I'm intrigued by the prospect of moving forward having Miko Ranton and be your second line center uh, and get back to almost a pick your poison approach when the avalanche had Peter Forsberg and Joe Sackick as the top two line centers. So th- I think that would, that would be the most interesting thing and the interesting alternative they could try if Nazem Kadri does not come back. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, the fact that McFarland pretty much said, Hey, we're n- you're not a first line guy. We're not going to pay you like a first line guy. That, that was telling, telling for me. Um, and so. I think, I think Nazem Kadri would understand that'd be a, a part of the business kind of posturing. And, and uh, I think they can, if he comes back here, I don't think there will be any lingering bruises from the negotiations. I mean, even look at Joe Sackick uh, having the uh, $21 million offer sheet from the Rangers. That was just business. I think Nazem Kadri would take the same approach if it comes around back to that. So, what, what, uh, Terry, what would you give the chances of bringing Nazem Kadri back right now? Well, ask me in five minutes, and I'll give you a different answer. Right now, I would say s- still slim. Still slim? Yeah. I'm I'm on that side of the coin as well. I'd give it about... 30%. But yeah, like I said, hopes are going up the more the longer this drags out. Now it's time for the final word. The final word. Presented by Greenfield's Pool and Sports Bar in Lakewood. Greenfield's has everything under one roof, including the best happy hour in town. Two for one wine, well and drafts from 3 until 7 p.m. <laughs> Just in case you missed it, is presented by Argonaut Wine and Liquor. You need to see why Westward named it the best liquor store in Denver. Five years running. Or order online at ArgonautLiquor.com. Just in case you missed it, debuting on Monday, July 18th, ESPN coming out with a seven-part document docu-series on Derek Jeter titled The Captain. Um, it should be it should be really good. They've been hyping it up for, for months now and kind of reminds me of the Tom Brady, the 10-part series they did on him. So are you excited? Will you be watching? I'll be very interested in it because part of it is kind of as, as uh, 
as a member of the craft in, in terms of journalism and even movies and looking at it. I don't want it to be just talking heads, you know, where you have you have guys sitting in, in, in plush chairs and you, they have their name at the bottom of the screen and you just go back and forth from one voice to another voice circling around. I want it to be more than, than just talking heads. And it sounds like they've been pretty much... Uh, pretty much exhaustive in rounding up all the people uh i don't know how else to say this do you think they'll do you think they'll tell the entire story and clear up the rumors about his gift baskets approach uh i think that will be left out i think this is kind of like the last dance where they tailor it towards the the featured person yeah um like michael jordan kind of had that last dance made exactly how he wanted it and it painted him in the perfect light and you know didn't his teammates were kind of not happy about that. Horace Grant and Scottie Pippen. So I, I think they'll paint Jeter, Jeter in the best light possible. So you know what I'm talking about with the gift basket. Oh, uh, in his last season? No, his gift basket is his social life. We would be shedding, oh, light, yeah. shedding light on his social life, shall we say. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's that, that famous picture, right, where they have the baseball diamond and they have like his dating, his top nine, the starting nine of girls that he's dated in his career. I think they'll find a way to get that in. But it's a seven-part series, so it's pretty. It's going to be pretty uh, exhaustive. I wonder if it, I really wonder if they can find enough to, to fill seven episodes. But I'm going to guess that was probably the easy part. You always go into these things thinking, whether it's a video project or a written project or anything else, thinking, God, how am I going to find enough to fill this space or this time? And you end up cutting things out. Yeah. So I, I imagine if it's any good, you've had to cut out about 20% of anything. To uh, make it because that means you had such good material that 20% you cut out was so painful that everything left in it is so good it's it's compelling I'm I'm going to give it an advance without having seen it without having read exactly what it's about I'm gonna give them credit for it sounds like one of those where they did such an exhaustive job they they were allowed to go seven episodes but they also had to cut out a lot of good material Right. I kind of have a feeling how it's going to go. It's going to look at his early successes, those three consecutive World Series championships, and then the feud with A-Rod when he comes over. Um, Jeter keep staying at the shortstop position. And then, of course, the twilight of his career where he had that um, last season. Everybody was honoring him. And then his final at-bat of his career was the walk-off single. Yeah, I remember that. I think the other thing to remember and to watch for is there might be one of those gotcha moments in this documentary where we in the media jump all over something, whether it's part of the feud with A-Rod or any of those other issues involved in, in the course of Jeter's career, the captain's career, and jump all over it and get and kind of deflect the interest, deflect interest away from the uh, from the wide body of work involved in putting the good documentary together. I hope that doesn't happen with this because I've seen a lot of really good documentaries or films movies anything that that pivot on the attention pivots on a single incident it gets blown all completely out of proportion and so i hope that doesn't happen with the cat and well thanks thanks to alex thanks to nolan slash andrew and thanks thanks eric goodman and we'll see you all on monday